From the Asset Builder headquarters in Dallas, Texas, welcome to Keep It Simple, a show that discusses simple techniques and philosophies to help de-stressify investors around the world. I'm your host, Jared Herzog, and welcome to the show. Today, we're talking with our veteran investment advisor representatives, Adam Morse and Janet Griffith. Today, we're going to be talking about what happens if the market crashes at the beginning of your retirement. Now, for retirement, one of your biggest worries is running out of money. And one of the biggest threats to that is, of course, a market crash. And if you're drawing income, let's say per the 4% rule from your investment every year to provide for your retirement, a market crash would not be good. So today we're going to talk about what to do, how to think about market crashes during retirement. Now, we recorded this episode a couple weeks ago before Christmas, so you'll notice us talking about Christmas coming up. Uh, Obviously, this episode is released at the beginning of the new year, so happy new year everyone. Happy 2022. We hope that you and your family have a fantastic 2022. This is around our second birthday, meaning this podcast has been around for two years. So that would have never happened if it weren't for you. We just want to thank you for your listenership, your emails. Yeah, it's just been great. Uh, We love doing this. So we really appreciate your listenership. Of course, as always, you can email us at podcast at assetbuilder.com for any episode suggestions. And of course, you can find all show notes at assetbuilder.com slash podcast. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, let's get to the show. How are you guys doing today? Great. Still. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like it was 90 seconds. I had to make sure. What are you guys uh, doing for Christmas? Anything interesting with family, Mm -hmm. Miss Janet? Just the usual traditional Christmas that, that, uh, painted myself into a corner with right i have to do i have to cook all the same things every year okay. we have to have you know certain events on christmas eve and then christmas morning so it's it's nice but yeah the what's, girls expect it now what's an event you guys do on christmas eve well we always go to christmas eve service and right. then come home and we have um usually mexican food and appetizers yeah how did that start oh, i don't know just queso one year and that's amazing like, oh, we love queso you know? <laughs> gotta have tamales like, <laughs> tamales yes, around always the crock have pot. tamales on christmas eve yeah <laughs> so it. we have breakfast and open gifts and then we have lunch so i'm very busy <laughs> wow very for preparing all that and then they go on to their their other family in-laws and and i get to rest then but yeah it's nice yeah, mom's taking undue portion of the burden in mm-hmm. the holidays it's unreal Except for my mom, because she loves to delegate a lot of that work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> to you, I assume? Oh, yeah. Well, she has four kids. I'm yeah. one of four. So, yes, yeah. we all get our fair share of yard work, oh, yeah. floorboard <laughs> cleaning, oh, and yeah. turkey preparing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Decorating you? right now, right? Yeah. So. That's good of you. What about Ooh. you? Uh, same thing. We're we're going to do... Um, we don't do anything on Christmas Eve. We do go to a service... Um, but that's it. And then, yeah, nothing mm-hmm. really special. We, we always have family come in town. You know, we always throw the football around. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Do you like to stay at your mom's place the night before? No, not no, anymore. <laughs> not anymore. I feel like I probably would. Do you? Well, no, cause there's not enough room. My, but my sister who's older than me and my brother-in-law who, if you're listening is way older than me, <laughs> um, they they stay there every they stay there at my mom's the night before Thanksgiving and the night before Christmas. Huh. So why don't you? Because my mom likes my sister more. Makes sense. It does. <laughs> I don't even blame her. Yeah, that's cool. Do you guys do anything pre Christmas Eve or 
Um, Anything unique like Mexican food? We don't. Christmas Eve normally will go to my in-laws and my mom and my sister and her family will come as well. Yeah. So we just go over there and hang out and, you know, have food. Um, I think Christmas pretty basic. I think this year we're going to um, Broken Bow, Oklahoma. Cool. So those of you not in like the North Texas area, I've never been yet, but Broken Bow is supposed to be like a really pretty kind of Mm -hmm. wooded area up in Southern Oklahoma. So we're going up there a couple days before Christmas with my wife's brother and his family for a couple days to get away. And so, yeah, it should be fun. Well, today we are talking, what are we talking about? Oh, what happens if the market crashes in your first years of retirement? This is a pretty important topic, mm-hmm. wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm. So, um, Miss Janet uh, brought copious, incredible, single-spaced, two-paged notes. And so, <laughs> I expect today is going to be a doozy. Well, I just oh, yeah. never know what angle you're going to take or what questions you're going to ask or what path Adam's going to take us down. So I try to be prepared for all of so it. We'll find so. out. I'm going to start throwing you some yeah. real curveballs. Nobody will ever accuse Janet of not being prepared for anything. <laughs> That's true. I respect that. So we're talking about if the market crashes in your first year. So why is that it crashing at the beginning so much worse than crashing at any other time in your retirement? Why is that? I'll, I'll pitch this to you first, Adam. Yeah. So this is addressing kind of the what this is referred to as is the sequence of returns risk, right? Which is this idea that if you, well, let's say you have a portfolio with a starting balance and you give it a, a portfolio with no draw, right? So you're not pulling any money out. You're not living on the income from it. You're just letting it ride. If you let that portfolio sit for 30 years, and then if you just list it out, like in Excel, in 30 cells, you wrote down each of the annual returns. So year one, return X. Year two, return Y. It does not matter what order you put those returns in. Mm-hmm. You will end with the same exact balance right. every single time, right? So this right. is the idea of an annualized return. Doesn't matter when those returns occur. Mm-hmm. As long as they're the same, in whatever order, you're going to end at the same number. Now, when you add a draw to that, right? negative returns early have a disproportionate effect on the ending balance. So if you have a really bad first or two years, then the ending balance is going to be much less than it would have been if you had had two positive years, then followed by a negative year. And it's just this idea. I mean, it has a lot to do with compound interest. It's this idea that you're pulling fuel out of the fire very early on. Mm -hmm. Does that kind of make sense? Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's just that disproportionate effect that negative returns have early on. And there's a lot of ways to combat that and reasons why you don't need to lose sleep at night about it, but it is something to be aware of for sure. Now, Ms. Shannon, when we say early, how early are we talking? Are we talking about like in the first five years is, is that scary window? The first first year, what's, what's the beginning of retirement technically? Well, the beginning, well, what we're really referring to here is when you're drawing down. So, so if you're drawing down in the first year, that's that's critical or it can be critical. Um, as Adam said, you know, there are ways to combat it and we try to help our clients be prepared for that. You have resources to draw from that aren't in the stock market in the beginning if that does happen, right? So you have some fixed income, you have some cash that you can, can uh, rely on if that does happen. And then giving that time for the the stock portion of your portfolio to recover. So mm-hmm. I think what would be more um, 
critical is if it's a like if the downturn is several years, you know, one year, one month, one year is not super critical if you if you're prepared for it. Uh, but if it lasts 10 years, then then it could be could be more devastating to your portfolio. But even then, you know, we can we can work through that and help you get through that if, if it does happen. So, yeah, I think in a in a 10 year long, you know, which historically is unprecedented, but in a, mm-hmm. in a 10 year long bear market, I don't care who you are, you're going to have to be prepared to make some adjustments. Right. Mm-hmm. Like very few people right. are so well self-insured that they can just wait. Right. Like you're right. going to have to, right. okay, where can you cut? And that's when you got to make some tough decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think what we're talking about is just mitigating that risk, right? Like what do you do mm-hmm. if, I, I think a good example would be what if you retired February of last year? Yeah. Right. Like mm-hmm. what if yes. w- that's not a comfortable thing. What if you retired 2007? Um, mm-hmm. Cause that's a more typical type of market mm-hmm. drop that you, you shouldn't be that surprised by over a 10 year period. You're going to have a couple of those. Um, and if you happen to time retirement, you know, poorly uh, due to no, no fault of your own, what are the best things to do around that? Yeah. And I think the first thing too, is how do we prepare a portfolio beforehand to, to Mm -hmm. account for that? So what are some things that we can do beforehand to possibly mitigate those risks? Well, you want to, you really want to look at your expenses and have a, you, you need to know what what of your spending is essential and what of your spending is discretionary. Um, essential obviously is food, uh, housing, utilities, taxes, things that you have to pay no matter what. Um, and that portion, if you have, uh, probably need to make sure you have about five years set aside in in your investment that is not, directly a part of the stock market itself and then uh, at least no not cash uh, some cash you need some cash obviously but uh, fixed income bond funds that sort of thing Um, we also want to and then that stock portion can be for your discretionary spending because you can cut that out if you needed to if we went through a long downturn then you can not take that trip or, or you know, not uh, remodel the house that year. You know, wait until the stock market has rebounded and, and you've recovered from that. Um, so that's, that's how we, generally speaking, try to, to build your portfolio for you in retirement. So, so Adam, as we're approaching retirement, yep. do we make portfolio allocation changes mm. some years ahead? Mm-hmm. Is there a... Mm-hmm. Is there a, yeah, yeah, so there's a, there's a kind of catchphrase in the industry called the glide path, mm-hmm. right? And this is um, something that it's, it's tried and true. So this idea that as you near retirement, you want to be systematically, you can look at it two ways, reduce risk or lock in gains, right? So um, let's just look at, you know, most people work 40 and some change years, right? So let's just say 40 years. So over 40 years you would hope that as you near retirement, your portfolio has generally grown. Now at that point in time, yeah, it might be down than the year before, but let's say in the five years leading up to retirement, you want to, in year five, let's say take 10% equity off the table, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So you've been a hundred percent equity. That's fine. You've been aggressively growing, but at this point in time, we're close enough to that, that magic day 
where we want to start reducing the volatility, reducing the risk associated with starting mm-hmm. that income stream, right? That that presents to your portfolio. So each year you just start pulling 10% equity. Now I'm making this really oversimplified, right? Uh-huh. It's going to be different for everybody and maybe right. it's not 10% or whatever, mm-hmm. but the idea being you want to know, and this gets back to Janet's point, you want to know what your income targets are because that's largely going to dictate what your allocation should look like. So you want to know what your target allocation needs to be when you start retirement and then systematically, slowly transition into, for a couple of reasons. One, you do want to start locking in those gains that you've had over the last 40 years. You want to start saying, okay, I don't want to subject. Right. If, if you've worked up to a $2 million portfolio, you don't yeah. want that to drop to 1.2 the year before retirement. You want to start to build in some stability mm-hmm. so that you're you're you know more stable. You're more and more sure that yeah. you're going to be close to what your number is today when you retire. But also, um, you know, whether you got 401k taxable, I would hope you want to be trying to have taxable as well. And what you don't want to do is come into retirement, like screaming hundred miles an hour, and then all of a sudden slam on those brakes. And now you've got yourself a nice hefty $250,000 tax bill you're looking at mm-hmm. right as you enter into retirement. If you're going to have realized gains that you're going to be bringing in as a result of this glide path approach and selling off equity, you want to be kind of doing that in bite-sized chunks, right? Ideally, while you still have earned income coming in. So um, you definitely want to be thinking, this is not something you think about like the weekend before you retire. You know, this is something that you want to be thinking about ideally seven, eight, nine years out and start preparing. Is there anything else we can think of that we should be thinking about before retirement to get prepared for a potential market crash or whatever the markets might do? That you want to add, Miss Janet? No, I mean that's really Adam summed it up. It's yeah. risk management. You've got to, mm-hmm. you've really got to to start to focus on that at that point because I mean that's exactly right. If the market, if you're retiring next year and you haven't reduced your exposure and the market drops, then then you're going to have a lot of losses going into retirement that yeah. that you could have avoided. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things we could talk about that you should do before right. retirement, mm-hmm. but but specifically as it relates to the sequence of returns risk, this early negative mm-hmm. returns early on, I think that's the main thing is right. don't don't wait too late to start turning down the risk right. a little bit. We cannot, move into that I mean, we say it all the time, but you cannot time the market. You have right. no idea. Yep. You can't time the market around your retirement. So, well, that's so going to be my next to... question, actually. So if you feel that a market crash is coming and mm-hmm. you know you want to retire soon, should you wait? Well, yeah, I mean, okay, <laughs> we've been feeling the market crash coming for years. So again, you can't time that, but sure. I mean, if you can keep working, the longer you can work, the the longer your, your uh, portfolio will last for you because you're not yeah. spending down on it yet. Um, but certainly keeping that income stream alive or if, if you were planning on retiring in a year and the market's crashed this year, then, then maybe you want to postpone that retirement if you can certainly but uh yeah it can't hurt you uh-huh. but i think it, it also may or may not help you right if that makes sense like you can always work a little longer uh-huh and that will help you but the only thing we know will help is that you're delaying that that draw from mm-hmm. the portfolio by at least one year right but we can't guarantee that markets will either continue to go up right. or won't go down or, you know, you might wait right into the drop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, right. Again, it gets back to 
like what we always talk about, just you got to trust the process. You got to have a philosophy and you got to abide by it. Yeah. As long as you do that, there are, there are pretty much answers for all of these risks. There are ways to mitigate all these risks. So right. I would, I would focus much more on controlling your cost, controlling your debt. Um, and that's going to, that's going to be the thing that ensures you can survive whatever comes as opposed to like, look, if you're hanging on and you, you need to work one more year, yeah, that's not a good sign. Yeah. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good point. So let's say that um, the worst case scenario happens where it's 2020, you retired January 1st and the market starts to crash. Can we go back real quick? I just want to put a caveat on what what I just said. So I would say the caveat being if that one or two additional years gets you to your social security target. Oh, Okay. Okay, so uh, you know, I would say don't lose too much sleep over the specific date of your retirement. I mean, if you want to wait because you think the market's going to drop, then I suppose that will never hurt you. But we also aren't sure how much that's going to help you. Yeah, uh, you want to be focused much more on the things you do control, like your spending, getting your your essential spending down as low as you can, mm-hmm. paying right. yourself as, as much debt as you can, as much high interest debt as you can. Right. Um, you know, with the caveat that if that additional year or two, if, if your plan was to retire slightly before you start social security yeah. and live on your assets, if you're really worried about a market drop or if they're, you know, if you're in the middle of a market drop, then yeah, it's probably prudent if you can to push and make it to that social security date only because that's going to, even if the market's still dropping, you're still at a dip when you get there, it's going to alleviate by a lot how much you need to pull out. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's kind of the caveat I would throw to there. That's a good point. Man, that's kind of crazy, actually, to think about that. All your life savings is just based on some of these decisions that happen mm-hmm. right well, there, and that's it. I don't even know if we did a good job framing the problem. It's the market drop. Like, look, the market's going to drop. Mm-hmm. And the sooner that people can get their head around that, the better. And the sooner that they can get their head around the idea that you're not going to be able to like avoid it. Yeah. Like, look. Even if you avoid it, you're going to go to cash. And then by doing that, you're going to miss out on a lot of the, the rebound as uh-huh. we've seen with mm-hmm. the coronavirus. So one way or the other, you're going to get bit. Uh-huh. Move past it. Like mm-hmm. quit trying to avoid that because it's the, it's the wanting to avoid that that results in all of these mm-hmm. bad knock-on decisions that can be avoided. Yeah. Except the reality that you're going to have to live through a market correction, multiple, mm-hmm. multiple market dips of, of differing magnitudes. Okay. Once we've accepted that, mm-hmm. that's not the risk to your portfolio that we're talking about. Like the fact that your portfolio drops early on retirement, that's not what kills you. What kills you is the selling during mm-hmm. that time. Right. So what we're talking about are strategies that allow you to avoid selling at that time. The market's going to drop, but guess what? The market's also going to rebound. Right. We know that. So I don't care about the market drop. I care about what do you do during the market drop. Right. So, Everything, I, I want to make sure that we just define that clearly because if yeah. people are going, well, we're worried about a market drop. If I can't avoid it, I'm screwed. No, yeah. no. We're not worried about the market drop. We're worried about what you selling uh-huh. in the middle of that market drop, particularly selling equity. So everything that we talk about is geared toward, you know, even the glide path we just talked about, it's geared toward reducing the probability that you're going to have to sell that equity in the middle of that drop. Right. Because that's what actually kills you. It's it's selling things off at a discount. Right. Right. So it's. You develop that strategy ahead of time right. so that when the time comes, you don't, you don't make that decision. I mean, that's yep. one of the worst things you can do is, is locking in your losses of the stock market. Because, yep. I mean, as we saw in COVID, it was 
two months, it had already bounced back. So the people that pulled out, yep. they locked in their losses. And, and that's unfortunate. And you don't need to do that in retirement either, especially. Um, and if you have designed your portfolio where it is your discretionary spending that is at risk, then you have the ability to to work through that and wait it out. So, and and that's why retirement is such a that's why so much time and energy and money goes into researching these things because yeah. you know when you're working, you always have the option to not take money out. Right. Yeah. You, okay, just leave it. Don't sell, mm-hmm. and that's the solution. Easy. Yeah. Right. But in retirement, mm-hmm. you got to have the income. Right. So, what do we do? What do we do in light of that? Right. Right. So yeah, you, when you're not retired and the stock market drops, we we encourage our clients, that's the time to buy more, yep, right? right. Um, so then when it does come back, not only are you recovering the losses that you've had, now the what you invested is is helping your portfolio to grow even more. So, so uh, in retirement, it's different. So that's why we have to be careful about how we invest uh, your money based on your, your spending and your liabilities. So, right. Mm-hmm. So if the market crashes at the beginning of retirement, Adam, we already talked a little bit about it. So what's, what's sort of move number one? Is it just stay the course, close your mm-hmm. eyes and you hope for the best? I mean, is that, uh, no, that's not, what we, not, not yeah. what we'd want to do. Um, so the first thing would be to have a really good understanding of what all your income streams are, right? Like what are my income streams and how susceptible are each of them to the market? So obviously for most people that's social security, um, uh, one of the ones that's underappreciated that we have a lot of actually is rental properties, right? Well, mm-hmm. okay, you need to have an understanding of if the if there's a prolonged drop in the market, you probably need to have done some thinking and some research and some planning for if my tenancy drops, all of a sudden that rental income may not be coming in as as, as healthily or as consistently. Um, when it comes to a market based portfolio, this is where you want to have done your research in terms of what is your what are your expenses, what are your income needs, what are your taxes. And then making sure that you have a fixed income allocation that that hedges enough for uh-huh. you. Okay, so let's just take a really simple approach. Like, this is very oversimplified. Let's say I have a million dollar portfolio. Okay, and let's say I need from that portfolio forty thousand dollars a year. Okay, well, if I'm in a if I'm in a fifty fifty portfolio, okay. Mm-hmm. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna make it easy for myself. Let's say I'm in a sixty forty portfolio. It's a sixty percent equity, forty percent fixed income. Okay. Okay. I need forty grand, right? And yep. let's say on day one, market tank. So I don't want to sell equity. Okay. Okay. So I sell fixed. So okay. I've sold forty thousand dollars of my fixed. Now fixed isn't static. It's not zero activity. There's some movement, but for the sake of the conversation, let's just say it's stable. Okay. okay. Okay, well, after year one, I'm now sitting at $360,000 in fixed. Mm-hmm. The next year, markets are still down. Okay, that's unfortunate. We go in and we sell another batch of fixed because we're not going to touch that equity. We're going to let that baby rebound. Okay, well, now I'm down to $320,000 in fixed income. I'm getting to the point that you essentially have 10 years of runway in that fixed income mm-hmm. allocation mm-hmm. to survive a down market. Yeah. Now, is that ideal? No. Is that going to get uncomfortable? Absolutely. Because every year I do that, not only are markets dropping, but I'm also making my portfolio more and more volatile because mm-hmm. I'm selling off fixed, right? Mm-hmm. So in a given year where the market's not tanking, and we're, we're using the word market really broadly here, mm-hmm. but in any well-diversified portfolio, you're going to have different parts of the market. And usually these pieces are non-correlated. So 
you're, you're going to have some parts of the market going up, some parts going down. And, you know, I mean, what Jane and I do every day and what our, our trading desk does every day is they look at portfolios that need income and they say, okay, where do we sell from? And oftentimes I'd say nine out of 10 times, it's some equity, some fixed right. I mean, when we move along. But in this doomsday world scenario, mm-hmm. if you need to sell all fixed, that's what you should do. And just knowing, and this is where you arm yourself with that knowledge, mm-hmm. right? You arm yourself with the knowledge that, okay, I know it feels terrible, but bear markets don't last forever. So mm-hmm. keep selling that fixed, keep living on it and let that equity recover. And so it's that kind of math you need to do, obviously a little bit more sophisticated math, but that's the kind of thing you need to be thinking. There's how much fix do I need? And then you have to find that there's a Venn diagram of overlap between how much fix do I need to protect my income stream? And how much equity do I need to sustain growth in the portfolio and reach my goal, right? Like make sure I have survivability in the portfolio and enough potential return in the portfolio. So that's where, you know, Mm-hmm. If you don't feel comfortable, find somebody who can do it for you. Work mm-hmm. with an advisor, ideally a fiduciary. Yeah. But that's the kind of work we do is finding that overlap of the right mix in the portfolio to cover as best we can to mitigate all these different risks. Yeah. Having a financial advisor through a tough time like that would be a big, mm-hmm. big help, wouldn't you say, Ms. Shannon? Oh, yeah. I think that's one of the things that the value that we bring to our clients more than anything is is helping them through a difficult time like that and reminding them of of the strategy that we put into place was to protect them through this time and they have to just stick with it yeah. hang in there you know and and we like adam said we always say we have no idea what the market's going to do and if it does something crazy we'll adjust we'll help you adjust um Mm-hmm. You know, if it does something unprecedented, I guess I should say. Yeah. So then we'll we'll work through that. But there's there is enough data, enough history that that yes, the crash is coming. It will come. Uh, we've got, kind of been lulled into a, a long period of time where we haven't had a significant market crash, and people are probably many people probably have too much risk in their portfolio especially if they are approaching retirement. U.S. risk. So we have to, you know, remind you, we remind our clients, let's let's reduce that risk. You know, call us five years out from retirement. It's time to start talking to us yep. about mm-hmm. that so that we can help you uh, be prepared for that. So yep. That's right. And, and I would say too, I mean, this is a mitigation strategy, right? But this, this is, does not ignore or... Um, supersede other very common sense things that we keep harping on. Cause you know, building a portfolio when you do it, I mean, this is the easy stuff, right? Like that's, this is what we do every day. It's the hard part that the, that you as the client, you as the investor, you as the, the person have to do. And it's, if you wait until you're there, it's probably too late. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is where we're, we get back to just really general principles of responsibility. Mm-hmm. Don't over leverage yourself. Right understand that you're probably not if you're a high earning individual which just statistically if you are looking for financial services you probably are probably not going to be able to sustain your earned income in retirement that's going to be a high bar so getting having a strategy for getting your expenses down doing the work five years out from retirement say Mm -hmm. okay what is my healthcare strategy if i'm going to retire early what are the cobra costs what Mm -hmm. having a well thought out strategy and doing the hard work up front to Ask the least that you can while living the life you want to live from your portfolio. Right. That's a good way to put mm -hmm. it. If you're, if you expect your portfolio to always give what you're asking of it, you're just setting yourself up for a bad time. Yeah. You know? So the philosophy does not change 
from a crash in the beginning or a crash at the end of your retirement? We would say, is that safe to say? Mm, well, I guess I would ask you to define philosophy. I mean, yeah. the investment philosophy in terms of low cost diversified indexed. No, it does mm -hmm. not change. This is where it's a little underappreciated when people think, oh, you just build portfolios or, oh, it's asset allocation. Yes, true. But also, you know, yeah. this is one of those things like on a year to year basis, determining what to sell. Mm -hmm. What do we sell? You've got 20 funds in your portfolio, 15 funds, whatever the number is for you. That's, you know, which account? Those funds might be spread across three different accounts. Which accounts do I draw from? Mm -hmm. When What yeah. tax ramifications are they going to have? And how's that going to affect me? I mean, these are the little things that are important. And over, you know, in any given year, are they going to make or break you? Probably not. But in the cumulative, over a 30, 35-year retirement, they absolutely matter. And doing it right year after year it's going to really increase your chances of success. That's a pretty good Perfect. answer. So the philosophy stays <laughs> yeah. the same, definitely, but the action taken each year right. definitely does not stay the same. Right. That makes sense. Um, anything else on, on that? I was going to ask kind of an off ball, uh, off the wall question. Do it. Okay. Well, not off the wall, but I was going to ask, is inflation just as big a threat as, as like a market crash? Ooh. Ooh. In retirement. It doesn't have to be for the same reasons that we've just talked about, right? Good answer. Uh -huh. uh, being prepared. Diversification is the number one strategy against inflation, right? And being in the stock market is probably the best hedge against yeah. inflation. So having that portion of your portfolio defined in the stock market to help offset. Uh, and there's other... Um, other ways to hedge it. You know, you can invest uh, part of your fixed income into uh, tips bonds. We use those for our clients here uh, to help with inflation. Uh, inflation, again, is something that, I mean, we usually build in what, two to three percent inflation. And historically, over the last several, several years, it's been lower than that. Now, I know we're in a situation now where it yeah. may be higher this year or next year. But typically, it's not going to be a 10% like in the 70s or whatever. So, so typically, you should be able to, to be fine with that if you build your portfolio correctly and, and yeah. have some hedges in there against inflation. So Yeah, I mean, the biggest hedge against inflation is a healthy equity allocation. That's mm -hmm. the only thing we know over time outpaces inflation is equity. So, okay, great. This is the mm -hmm. argument against moving to cash. This is the argument against being too conservative, right? We Usually, I think people think about, I don't want to be too risky, but you also don't want to be too conservative, which is why it's so important, like we always talk about, to educate yourself and internalize these principles because it will make you more comfortable and empower you to take enough risk, to have enough equity to outpace mm -hmm. inflation. Um, to your question, is it a bigger risk? I don't I don't know. I mean, you'd have to like show me the scenario. I mean... Mm -hmm how much inflation and how big is the market drop? I think the market drop is the much sexier problem that I think people are much more trained and conditioned to fear. But I think inflation is a much more dangerous problem because it's quieter and people mm -hmm. don't think about mm -hmm. it as much. They don't plan around it as much. So, Well, in, in retirement, also healthcare is, is yeah. huge and it goes up I mean, every year it's just, yeah, much so that's, yeah, much more than inflation. So that's something, you know, we try to help our clients think that through 
because if you're retiring at 60, 65, you know, you've got 30 years of, of planning to do for this, this set of money or, or that you have set aside. So, and that's a big part of it. So We need to start tracking. I need to like make an Excel sheet. I won't do this, but I would like to um, start tracking like how long inflation is in the headlines and then see what the next thing is in the headlines. Because mm-hmm. I mean, I know that I don't, I, I'm kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth because it's a conflict, like it's a struggle, but like we obviously are aware of inflation and, and with what we we've taken legitimate, like uh-huh. concrete steps to combat it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like people act like inflation's never happened. Like the, yeah. they talk about it in the news, like it's this coming. Well, like we don't understand cloud. it. It's uh-huh. this immovable object with no answers and mm-hmm. no yeah. solutions. And it's going to just wipe us out. It's yeah. like, well, all right, let's just take a second. Mm-hmm. You know, so I just struggle because you, you, you got to do your best as an investor, as a person, we, like we talk about with everything, you yep. do your best to try to parse through, okay, what's real and what's true and how mm-hmm. much do I weight it and how much of this is just, they need mm-hmm. eyeballs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They need eyeballs so bad. You should go are. back and listen to our uh, media podcast oh. episode that Adam went on a about four hour rant on it. it was, <laughs> I'm so it was really good about though. it because yeah. it makes my life miserable. Yeah. Man. I, I, Ms. Shane, is there anything on your copious notes that you would like to share with our audience today that we might've missed I that they could benefit from? I think we actually from? talked about all of these things that are on my notes. So. No. Are you sure? I'm sure. Just if you're about to retire, make sure that you've been glide pathing it. You know, make sure that you've got a decent enough allocation to fix income and look at your expenses. Yep. Maybe spend an hour or two and, do a quick little budget probably be helpful and don't be scared of a market crash thank you <laughs> don't be scared all right that's a good place to end it that i'd is. say all right thank awesome. you guys for your time thank you jared we'll see y'all next year oh wow wow that's wild yeah 2022 right. we'll be back yeah yay awesome all right see y'all next time see ya bye podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not to be construed as an offer, solicitation, recommendation, or endorsement of any particular security, product, or service. For more information, visit assetbuilder.com. If you have any questions for Adam or Janet concerning this topic or anything else, please visit us at our home on the web, assetbuilder.com slash podcast. There you can find their contact information as well as the show notes for every episode.